Live from the Business Radio X studio in Atlanta, it's time for Dental Business Radio. Brought to you by Practice Quotient. Practice Quotient bridges the gap between the provider and payer communities. Now here's your host, Patrick O'Rourke. Hi there, friends of the dental business community. This is your host, Patrick O'Rourke, also the founder and CEO of Practice Quotient, which is the sponsor of our show. So first of all, we'd like to thank Practice Quotient for sponsoring the show and paying all the bills here. Uh, PPO analysis and negotiation. If you are a top tier dentist and or specialist and you don't feel like you are getting top tier compensation, uh, equitable to your time, experience and training as a professional um, from your business partners, i.e. insurance carriers, um, then you should give our the fine folks at Practice Quotient a call 470-592-1680. Email address is info at practicequotient.com. And obviously the domain is practicequotient.com. You're welcome. I'd also like to thank uh, John Ray, who is back with us, the producer John Ray. Um, and really, here we are. The man of the hour, Mr. Tom Moley, is in the house. How you doing, Tom? Uh, so far, so good. Patrick and yourself? Oh, man, I'm alive and still kicking. That's it. Shucking and jiving. Better to be on this side of the grass than the other. You know, that's what I hear. Um, but it, I don't think anybody really knows. That's true. Wow. So, Tom, you and I uh, understand each other very, very well. But maybe not all of our listeners out there know Tom Moley or what Tom Moley does. So, can you describe your occupation, please, sir? Lamoli and Associates has been around since the early 70s. It was started by my father, Dr. Tom Lamoli, uh, who passed away in 2006. Uh, he was a practicing dentist here in Atlanta, also a prosthodontist, and was also chief dental officer for a little bitty insurance company in downtown Atlanta that had a great big tall building, and on the top of it, it said equitable. So so he was a dental officer for them. I've and, heard of them. Yes, yes. And so our business has been a family business since then, and essentially we help streamline and simplify the overall reimbursement process. Uh, anything and everything dealing with what does the patient pay, how do they pay it, dealing with the play, patient's plan, coding, clinical documentation, all of the intricacies that go along with getting paid. And part of that is coding. Part of that is administration of the insurance. Part of it is what role does the insurance play in the office and what percentage of it is coming from someplace other than the patient's pocketbook. Mm-hmm. And long story short, I spend about 60% of my time dealing with dentists and dental insurance and the patient's plan and helping streamline the process. And the other 40% is what I call the dark side of dentistry and dental insurance, and I spend an awful lot of time in court giving depositions and clarifying and straightening out issues involving uh, when dental offices get in trouble with insurance and also when offices are falsely accused of doing something they shouldn't do and provide guidance and direction and really just level the playing field in all directions as to what's the insurance, what is it not, and where does it fit in, and how does it work. So that's me. That's fascinating. And uh, I think that's probably why we uh, get along so well. We, uh, I understand what you're talking about, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you understand what I'm talking about, and that's probably not always the case with everybody we talk to. That's true. All right. So John Ray already fell asleep. You see him over there snoozing? <laughs> um, so before we get to the dark side, let's talk about to the 60%. So, you know, I heard a lot there. That was a lot of stuff. So you do a lot of stuff. Um, so I guess my first question is, you know, working with dental insurance all the time for so many years, do you ever question your own sanity? 
Oh, by all means. Yes, yes, yes. I have found that good medication is a good way to kind of proceed and be able to kind of level everything off. So, yes, yes. It will drive you crazy. It will also promote a very politically incorrect sense of humor. Uh, that that <laughs> I thought I was born know, with that. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. Some people in the audience will go, "Did he just really say that?" Yeah, I think he did. Oh my God, what should happen now? You know. So yes. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so it's small solace. I'm, you know, I'm not alone. Um, the rest of it is you're going into a practice. Like, describe for me a typical client. Um, you know, which you're makes up 80% of your client base of the eight of the 60%, not the deposition stuff. One thing I have learned over doing this for so many years is that I have never found an office that has a problem with dental insurance or dental reimbursement or dealing with insurance companies. I've never had an office that had a problem with that. Their problem is always somewhere else, but it shows up in the insurance. What shows up in the insurance is generally the indicator of another problem. Say, for example, common issue. In most American dental practices, patient comes in the office, meets the hygienist, hygienist takes x-rays, x-rays are done, hygienist begins to gather information. 20 minutes later, 30 minutes later, maybe an hour later, the doctor comes into the office and the hygienist tells the doctor, oh, this patient's got discomfort here or here or there's a problem. And the doctor says, oh, I see this going on. Let me take a couple more periapicals to find out what's going on. And lo and behold, they bill for the full mouth x-ray they or the Panorex or they bill for whatever radiographs, and then the additional radiographs that were taken and the plan writes back and says, those aren't payable and you can't collect from it. And the doctor's office is now automatically upset. Well, what's the first problem? The radiographs were taken without the doctor's prescription, Mm. which in many instances is against the law. Only the doctor can prescribe the radiographs and the Food and Drug Administration, Health and Human Services, even the American Dental Association all say, Radiographs are by doctor prescription, not the calendar. So the other issue that shows up all the time is patient says, I don't want the x-rays if my insurance won't pay for it. Mm -hmm. Well, if the doctor's not prescribing the radiographs in the presence of the patient, the patient's going to go, wait a minute, why are you taking the x-rays? Same way if you take your child into the doctor's office for a test and they want to run all these tests, aren't you going to stop and question what's going on? But if the doctor's standing there and say, you know, I think we might know what the problem is. Let me take this test, this test, and this test. Are you going to question the doctor? No. Mm. So the problem comes about when, in many instances, the doctor is not doing what he or she should be doing, which is prescribing the radiographs Mm -hmm. and prescribing the treatment, Mm -hmm. as well as not making it clear to the patient why it's important and why we need to have that. So that's a that's a typical case. Really? Yeah, see, I would have never known that that happened. So I've, I've never been, I've never ran a dental practice. You know, I know a lot about insurance and that's really all I know. Um, never had a patient say or heard an office say, I don't want the x-rays if they're not paid for by the insurance? I, I've heard that, um, I've heard that th- that in general, Folks are like, well, I don't want it if my insurance doesn't cover it. Well, insurance doesn't really dictate treatment. Right. You know, dental insurance is is not meant to be an all encompassing pay for whatever. 
you know, it's really a defined benefit. It's a financial vehicle, right? right. And exactly. so it's a policy that specifies what's going to be paid and how often it's going to be paid. And yeah. it's not like the insurance company is evil. Um, there's a lot of that going around right now. They go, oh, they're evil, blah, blah, blah. That's all marketing shtick, really. Um, it's, it's, as somebody who has designed plans, you want to have a pan, pano every month. You want to have gold teeth. I don't care. I'll, I'll write it all in the policy and the premium is going to reflect that. That's right. And so it all comes down to what is in the policies and the written contract between the insured and the insurance company. It's not the actual insurance company rolling out of bed going, all right, let's see what we can deny today. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and, and most of dentistry feels that way. I know. It feels just that way. The insurance company is the evil culprit in this and they're not right and there's a few folks out there that are fanning the flames for their own benefit i see you um not that they care too much what i think but you know i think that that's intellectually shallow personally now um but with that um so that was interesting and so give me another uh, example of something that's common that maybe i'm not aware of that happens where you come in because i almost think like in my head, I'm like, that seems like common sense. Like, why don't people know that if you're a dental practice? Here's the problem that I have seen from dentistry. And having grown up in a dental office as a kid mm-hmm. and learning to stack porcelain or, or stack sand, as they say, from the time I was like eight, nine years old and waxing up inlays and onlays because – you know, I did it and it was fun and I had good hands and it was more fun than making model airplanes and model boats. And my father taught me how to carve wax and, and take from there. And I essentially did what my father told me exactly to do and how to do it. So I was, you know, the best technician my dad had in spite of the fact that I still had to cut the grass and he only paid me $2 an hour, you know, to work in the lab. So, you got to earn your keep. Yeah, to earn my keep, you know. But but I'm long story short, with, my son yeah, too. with dentistry – for so many years, it was so common that doctors felt they could just raise their fees every year by a certain percent in a certain amount. And essentially, that was a reflection of management that was less than ideal. They never really paid attention. And then in comes insurance and insurance companies. And what they were originally doing in the early days was kind of questioning why are dentists doing these procedures in this way? What is the patient presenting with that requires this and why is that there? So the insurance company then became the questioner of why is this procedure occurring mm. at this frequency? Mm-hmm. Dentists then automatically flash back to the evil professor that they had in school that said, wait a minute, as long as you're in school here, you'll do it my way. Now, when you get out in the real world, you can do it your way, but you're going to do it my way now. Mm. So that animosity carries over from the bad days of dental school and the bad experiences of dental school into private practice. Hence, dentists have this huge divide between working with an insurance company and someone questioning what they do. Mm. Now, when it comes to qualifying and justifying what you're doing, I have a very simple system when it comes to dealing with insurance. You don't need a bunch of narratives. If somebody's teaching an office, oh, this is the narrative you need to send, and here's this stock thing, and you do this, and you do that, and you do that. No, I have one narrative that solves all problems. It's the same verbiage? Attached is a copy of our clinical documentation from the dates of service. 
Your clinical notes need to say not only what you did, but why you did it, how you did it, and most importantly, how did the patient respond to it? Because from that, the insurance company has all the answers. Now, if a dental office has poor clinical notes, again, I go back to my original statement. Mm -hmm. Offices don't have a problem with insurance. They don't have a problem with narratives. They have a problem with their clinical documentation. I got to get the clinical team involved in what's going on with the insurance. That's really interesting. So, so, so it's a, it's a round robin kind of piece where it all fits in. And I, and what I do along with a few other people, we are very rare in the industry because mm-hmm. we live it. We do it. We know it. Whereas, as you mentioned earlier with some of these other consultants, all they know is what they stole. All they know <laughs> is what they took from somebody else, which means, you know, once, once they get the office in trouble and they get the, then they come to me and my rates are double what theirs are. So, you know, <laughs> I like that. I, I think, you want me to fix it? Oh, it's going to be double. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Because yeah. uh, you should have listened to me when I told you that six months ago. So. All they know is what they stole. Uh, I love that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I get a kick out of you, Tom. I really do. Well, you know. Um, so the and that's what the show is really about. Again, raw and today is uh, pull no punches Friday. That's what we're going to do today. So the clinical documentation got it. Now, what um, one of the things that I would argue has been a issue well, well for a long time is the lack of qualified insurance coordinators or people that understand insurance. If I had a dollar for every time somebody's like, Oh, well, you know, you know, let's pick on John Ray, John Ray over here, our office manager, you know, he, he's been doing insurance for 20 years. And I'm like, is that right? Yeah. I've been driving a car for 20 years too. It doesn't mean I can pull the transmission out and put it back in successfully. Right. So John Ray could be screwing it up right for 20 years and you don't know it because you don't know anything about it. And it's easy to convince a room full of people that you're an expert if the people in the room know nothing about that subject. It's much harder when the folks in that room understand it real well, you know? Mm-hmm. And so here's my, my, I guess my question to you or your, your take on what I perceive as what was, you know, a minor challenge of lack of experience, know-how of insurance professionals in the office space or in the dental practices to now with the staffing shortages, I know that the hygienists really have the, has the headlines, but I would also, I also think that there's not, are you seeing a dearth or of, of talent with insurance coordinators or with folks? And how do we solve that collectively? I guess is my question. So I'll start with the, what do you think of, my observation that there's not enough insurance people understand insurance and then we'll take it from there. Here's the first piece. Okay. And please don't think I'm trying to make any type of, of real good, solid friendships with all this. No problem. No no, no promises. I still want to hug. Okay. The person that's been doing insurance for the last 20 years in a dental office is probably one of the most dangerous people in dentistry. Because they remember what it was. They try to make it what it was. They'll always use the excuse, oh, but I remember when dental insurance was $1,000 and you could get two crowns and all whatever. But And it's still $1,000 today. And they just keep beating that same horse. I've heard that a million times. Let me tell you what insurance is and what it's not. And in many instances, the role of the insurance coordinator or the person in charge of the insurance ends up 
running their mouth, and talking more than they're listening. Insurance and third-party reimbursement is nothing more than a term of payment. An office that spends hours on the phone calling insurance companies, asking such benign, idiotic questions as, do you pay for full-mouth x-rays every two years, three years, or five years? Is prophylaxis a benefit every six months, or is it twice a year? Or is it three times? And you go through all this crazy list of questions, and the payer is sitting here looking, and they're seeing this patient hasn't even been in the office yet. That's why many offices have problems with insurance, is they're creating them themselves. Treat the insurance for what it is. It is there to help the patient offset the total cost of care. And the minute that an office separates the doctor's fee into patient portion and insurance portion, their problems begin. Never, never, never separate the doctor's fee into patient portion and insurance portion. For it is all the patient's portion, but the insurance will help offset that cost of care. So when it comes to knowing about insurance, when it comes to the coding, oh, what do we code for? Oh, this patient has had perio treatment in the past, therefore it's 4910 perio maintenance for the rest of their life. Wrong. That is not true. That is false. Anybody that says that needs to be slapped and thrown out of dentistry. The difference between prophylaxis 1110 and 4910 perio maintenance is 4910 perio maintenance includes any additional root planing where necessary, whereas prophylaxis is simply scaling and polishing. So my company logo that you can see on the website is an owl. The owl sits on the bracket table, and the owl is watching what is taking place. If you took that instrument, turned it over, and root planed because there was an area or two in that quadrant that did not heal and respond, that's 4910 perio maintenance. But if all you did was scale and polish, although you scaled subgingivally, that's prophylaxis 1110. So what good did it cause do you to contact the insurance company to find out what they pay for and what they don't? Long story short, you want to know what the insurance is going to pay? When all is said and done with, somewhere between 44 and 45% of the fee. You collect that from the patient, and now let's begin to move forward. What's your insurance going to pay? Beats the living daylights out of me. But if you spent two hours on matter, the phone, right? if you spent two hours on the phone trying to figure out the patient's portion was $83 or $94, what did that two hours on the phone cost you? Answer, I'm going to tell it that the patient's plan is going to pay $60. And when all is said and done with, patient's got a $15 credit or a $9 credit. Send them a check. It's cheaper than having somebody sit on the phone and call. Hey, right, and that amen. goes for the insurance verification as well. Many insurance companies are saying, hey, wait a minute. I'm not going to deal with these outside companies. I want to deal with the dentist. That's why this whole flash in the pan of insurance verification companies and, oh, we're going to confirm with your insurance and we're going to do that. The minute you got that information from some other third party rather than directly from the plan, you lose. You lose. Right, because even if you get it directly from the plan and – just to for everybody here the, out there in listener land, and Tom, you may not even know this, but how I got my start in the insurance business was running call centers. Yep. 
and uh, and for a dental insurance company. And so, you, you know, your lifespan of a call center rep right, in, in a very well-run organization is probably 18 to 24 months. Um, nobody calls you up in the call center and says, hey, you guys did a great job paying those claims and you paid it super fast. I really appreciate you sending me that check. Thank you. Nobody calls up and says, hey, you know, you referred us to that endodontist and that was in network and the root canal was exquisite. Appreciate you. Gold star. They're all calling with problems. And do you know what clogs up the phone lines? Are the people that are going through the entire plan document for no damn good reason? Is that's what they're doing? Yes. Um, and so those out there in listener land, I am picking up what Tom's putting down, and I hope you are too, um, because the insurance company, you're, you're, everybody complains that there are the hold times are too long, and then it's probably be, what contributes to those hold times are the folks that are going through. They're like, is there a missing tooth clause? Uh, <laughs> How much of your benefit has been met? But even if you are calling the insurance company, even if you get a written predetermination of benefits, what does it say on every single one? It says this is not a guarantee of payment. All right, that's right. Now United Healthcare came out with something recently that uh, they were like, "We're going to guarantee it." Which props to you guys, United Healthcare. I see you. But back to the point here, what you're saying is. And here's my question to you, and maybe you don't know this. How much money is it costing? Because the two hours that that person spent on the phone with the insurance company, right, are on hold, and just to get maybe the wrong answer anyway, it doesn't show up on the balance sheet or the profit and loss statement. The business is still paying for their time. And then, you know, and then they're frustrated to have to turn around with a big smile and go, hi, welcome to our practice. It's so nice to see you. Uh, That happens a lot, right? So they're paying people to do that. It does show up on the balance sheet. It's called cost of goods sold. All right. So walk me through that. Okay. Cost of goods sold. What's it costing to put that patient in a chair? Okay. Two ways to make money in dentistry. Number one, raise the fees on what you're doing so that you don't have to do more of it. Just raise the fees on what you're doing and keep the same volume so you make more money that way. Mm -hmm. The second is you got to do more dentistry. You've got to do more dentistry. Because when you reduce the cost of dentistry, you can't reduce the cost in any way, shape, or form with what's happening in the operatory, ever. It's always the administration. You've got to cut back on the administration. Hence, you submit your claims electronically. Hence, you do your benefit assessments electronically. Mm -hmm. Hence, you take your payments from the plan through an electronic funds transfer. Mm Mm-hmm. Don't ever take the virtual credit cards. If you're getting the virtual credit cards, stop it. Stop it immediately. You'll also find that you're losing a lot of money because your office manager or somebody on the team is taking that virtual credit card information and plugging it into their own PayPal account and then going into the software and deleting the patient treatment so it doesn't even show up. Yeah, that's a whole Okay, that's a whole nother discussion we'll have. I got I got Files on my desk filled with those. Yeah, the amount of thievery that goes on has really shocked me. It's one of the most shocking things that I've learned. I think that you want to hear my personal opinion since we're not making any friends? I think that they should take the folks and that they should chop off uh, just the tip of their pinky. Mm -hmm. And so that way, and listen, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to do, uh, you know, cool and unusual punishment. It's just that a lot of docs don't turn these folks in, right? Then they just go do it over and over again. But if you just chop off the tip of their pinky, they can still leave an 
live a normal life. But then when they go into a job interview, you're like, oh, yeah, you're, <laughs> I got to keep an eye on you or I'm not going to bring you in or they're going to wear a glove like Michael Jackson. Ooh, right. Yeah. So this is my personal opinion on it. I'm half kidding for those of you that are out there. Um, now, you said something very interesting that I want to circle back on. The flash in the pan benefits verification, because I get this question a lot, and they're like, well, you know, who's the best benefits verification company? And I'm like, mm-hmm. right? Who's I mean, the best? I mean, and there are a, it seems like there's just been an, uh, a, a flash in the pan. I like that word. There's just, now there's a ton of organizations that will do it. And they're like, all right, yeah, we'll handle all your benefits verification and your claims billing and your blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And listen, nobody wants to do it, right? Dental insurance isn't the most fun subject in the world. What's your take on um, all of the these types of companies that have sprung up? Because it sounded to me like you had a take. I want to hear it. The only way to proceed with them, from what I've seen, from its infancy years and years and years ago, from a company that started out in California that provided benefit information, and they provided it originally on microfiche and then online and all whatever, and they had this list of 100 questions that they would go through. And that company kind of started it all. Now it's turned into a real cottage industry and anybody who's worked in a dental office for longer than 60 days now can start their own business, so they think. And the problem with the insurance verification is the fact that the dental office wants to be able to tell the patient on their first visit what their insurance is going to pay for this, that, and the other. When in fact, if they will focus on that first visit for the patient being diagnostic if necessary, preventive, and beginning with phase one treatment and moving forward from there. Because when it comes time to confirm benefits, when you call an insurance company, what's the first thing they ask you? Who are you? Mm -hmm. Number two, who's the doctor? Number three, who's the patient? The next question is the one where they nail you. Are you calling for general benefits or specific benefits? The minute you say general, you're hung. Those phone lines are for specific benefits. So when you tell that rep on the other end, I'm calling for specific benefits. I have John Ray, your insured, sitting with me. And he has some questions about his plan and what's going to be covered. That's what the phone lines are for. All right. Amen. The insurance company is hey, there to serve John and John's needs. Because John is the insured. You John got pays it. the premium. You got it. Right. So all these outside companies, the minute they get the information, guess what? It's outdated. Yeah, my, cli- my, my client offices, they run that insurance verification online the minute the patient walks in the door. Now, right. when they walk in the door, I print it out. It takes about eight seconds to get it. At which point, when the patient comes up to sign in or whatever, says, Mrs. Jones, here's the information I have about your plan. It also says your coverage is not available right now. Do you have new information about your coverage? Or is this information still correct? Right. There you go. Because one of the reasons, or pretty much the reason why all of those uh, PDs and all of where they say, 
it's not a guarantee of payment. It's because you don't know what's happened. That person bec- could have become disenrolled. Uh, they could have used all of their benefits the week before, and it's not showing up in the claim system. This is just it's it's business. Nobody's trying to hide anything. Um, so that's really interesting. And so, but I think that the takeaway for the audience here is, even if you're calling, it is outdated. No matter what, it's outdated. And so, going back to your original point. It's what's owed, right? But there's a lot of folks, and I've heard from a lot of offices, and they're like, well, you just don't understand, Pat. You should manage care-friendly area, and people just want to go with their dental insurance. I hear this when I'm on stage, when I'm lecturing all the time. And I'm like, oh, yeah, here's my shock face. Huh? I've never heard that before. I don't hear that in Chicago or Atlanta or Miami or Tampa or Denver or BFE, Kentucky. <laughs> all right? It's the same stuff all the time, right? Um, <clears throat> and maybe people are only there. Let's buy for just for the sake of argument, right? Let's assume that there's 50% of the people who will only go to an in-network provider and they're only going to get what their dental insurance pays for because they think that the dental insurance is some, you know, warm, soft blanket. Um, maybe, right? I've got good news for all the docs out there. The other 50% of your market, which are people with teeth within three miles of your practice, um, they care very much who puts fingers in their teeth and they care very much about the schedule and they care very much about the safety. And when they walk in there, I'm one of those people. And so I, and even if it's the person doesn't care about their teeth, I can guarantee you that they care about their kids mouths a little bit more. So, um, this is where I, I think that there's some victimhood there. You know, they're like, well, you know, even if there's 10 patients that do that, they become like what you talk about in their little morning huddles and you're forgetting about all the other folks um, and stop marketing to the, to the cheap people. Like if the John Ray's of the world are only going to do what they're, you know, John Ray needs a lot of work, but they are only going to pay for one filling. And so he's only going to get one filling, but he, you know, he, meanwhile, his whole mouth is, is, is falling apart and he's got gingivitis everywhere. He's got yuck mouth, but he's like, well, I'm just going to do the, you know, what's covered. Cause that's, a, well, you know, well, I got a good response for that. Yeah. Do you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, here, Hit me. J- John Ray comes in. He's got, you know, garbage pail from ear to ear. And what was that garbage pail? Yeah, garbage pail from ear to ear. You know, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go back to the day. John's even laughing over there. Okay. You know, we go back to Pyrea Pete over here. Okay. So he comes in the office. Okay. And the doctor does the diagnostic workup, asks John and says, Hey, John, you know, I've gathered a lot of information over the last little bit. How can I best present to you what's, what I see and what needs to, and where, and, and how to best proceed? John, you got a lot going on in here, and you tell me. Do you want the big picture? Do you want the little picture? How do you want to – how can I best help you? I'm here to help you. I'm the doctor. I want to listen to you. You tell me what you need. And John turns around and says, you know, i got some other health issues going on in the family, and my dental benefits I haven't used in a while. How do I best proceed? And the doctor needs to say, you know what, John, I can help you with that. Let's start by making sure nothing's going to get any worse and we can begin there. John understands that. John understands this is going to continue to get worse. So when the doctor says, let's make it start or let's start it by making sure it doesn't get any worse. Don't start talking about fillings. Don't start talking about scheduling and root planing. John's got to understand that the doctor is on John's side. That's right. Let's move forward from there. 
Right. So John Ray should not ask if they take food stamps, though. Should not. I'm just asking for a friend. I, I could. Can... <laughs> <laughs> My dad used to be the dentist for the monastery in Conyers. So as a kid, we got paid with lots of loaves of bread, lots of peppers, lots of onion, lots of goat. All lots of prayers. T- lots of prayers. And, you know, <laughs> you know, you, you do what you do. Yeah. Amen. I'm with so, you. I, I'm happy to trade. There um, you go. So any other thoughts? Because, so, nah, you know, I don't want to get too much into the benefits verification stuff. I still think that that's a burgeoning industry. And I do think there's a lot of folks that have rolled out of bed that are trying to do that or they're trying to be consultants or they're trying to do what I do. And listen, God bless you, right? If you rolled out of bed and you think that uh, tangling with insurance companies is a great idea, let me assure you they're Fortune 500 companies and they're ready for you and they're trained and they have a lot more resources. Um, But please respect the rules of the road, right? Get a HIPAA, have an actual business, respect the confidentiality, Um, do what's right and understand your business if you're going to be a professional, right? Um, So... And please understand that the information that a consultant gives to an office, if that office follows that information, that consultant is also liable. Yeah, so They've been nailing a bunch of office managers and more and more consultants are getting their cages rattled. So do these consultants, like, do they have do, do, do they have E&O insurance? You know what E&O is, right? They should. They better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. I mean, I think that would be that, errors and omissions for everybody else. Right. It's sort of like malpractice, exactly. malpractice insurance. Yeah. And yeah. so the, there's, um, you know, what we do as a firm is that, yes, we do have, you know, in case you were wondering out there, listener land. Um, we also respect the rules of the road, have confidentiality, very strict confidentiality agreements, which we take very seriously. And you know what else we do, Tom? We get all of our people professionally certified in dental benefits administration. So we're not just saying they're, they're, they're professionals. Yeah. We make them professionals. That's right. Uh, shout out to everybody on the PQ team. You guys are doing a great job and I appreciate you. Now back to Tom. One of the questions that you had submitted, which I always read for all of our listeners or all of our future guests. I read your questions. Um, is dentistry moving more to an in-network or an out-of-network delivery model? And this is a hot topic. I want to hear your take. Wow. Depends upon where you are geographically. I don't buy that. No? Well, here's the deal. Depending upon who the employer is in the areas and depending upon what those employees in the area have as benefits, those will be primarily network-driven. Now, what's happening with the networks and what's happening with the plans, and when you want to pull this whole thing full circle around, one of the biggest things that we're seeing in dentistry today is as dentists are pulling away from participating with plans. Which is definitely happening. That they are. That they are. A lot of them are. Okay. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are making their own membership plans. Mm. Now, what doctors are beginning to understand, and when I brought this up at a meeting a couple of weeks ago, everybody in the audience went, oh, nuts, he's right. You have a membership plan. You charge a patient a couple hundred dollars a year. They get two or three free cleanings a year. The better plans are whenever the patient wants a cleaning up to four per year, they can have it. Any diagnostics are all covered under the plan, and everything else is 40% off or 30% off. What did we just describe? Capitation from the old days. I pay you per head, 
and I pay you more for preventive than I pay for operative and major because the more preventive I deliver, the more, the less major services are going to be necessary. That goes back to Dr. Sidney Garfield, who was the physician that Henry Kaiser hired. Mm-hmm. Yep. Pay the doctor to be the doctor. It's called the shared risk model. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. You're right. And so when you look at what's happening with the network, the old network plans of 10 years ago, five years ago, those are gone. They're all modifying. They're all changing, even the way that the plans are being funded. Diagnostic and preventive is funded differently than basic and major when it comes to these various PPO-type setups. I mean, uh, it's how the employer is shared risk. In other words, it's handled primarily as ASO for diagnostic and preventive. Those are scheduled benefits. Those are paid out at this dollar amount. But major services such as crowns, bridges, inlays, Mm -hmm. root canals, those are all funded differently. Those are all funded almost through like a reinsurer type situation. And the insurance company is paid to administer the funds that are maintained by the employer, not the insurance company funds. In other words, in the old days, an insurance company was paid by the employer and the, the insurance company held the money and they used that money to pay out claims. And if they didn't have to pay out claims, they kept the money. Now, in an ASO-type format, when the insurance company writes a check for $100, they write themselves a check for 2 or $3 mm-hmm. for processing the claim and removing moving the information. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the incentive for the insurance company to pay, which is why in many instances with coordination of benefit, when you're dealing with multiple contracted plans, the secondary plan should pay nothing. Nothing. But a lot of times they will go ahead and pay it because they know that they're getting a piece of the pie on top of it. But they're in violation of their fiduciary agreement with the insurance company. And now a lot of these insurance companies are going, uh, what do I do with all these overpayments I'm supposed to get? Because if I go after these doctors for these overpayments, guess what? They're going to drop out of my network. So they're leaving it alone. So that's the dirty, ugly part of the benefit industry that – those of us know what's going on versus, you know, the sidewalk consultant that worked in the dental office for six months and says, oh, I know everything about insurance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's so, good. That, that is fascinating. And just, like just it, to me, as somebody who sold large group employer benefits, mm-hmm. that's what I did all day long, yeah. self-funded. I'm like, why would you fully insure and pay premium taxes? We can design our own plan. I'm going to self-fund it. The membership plans have exploded. I've been preaching this gospel for 10 years. Yeah. For long, like as soon as I'm like, what? you know, to the docs, they're like, well, do you think that's a good idea, Pat? And I'm like, well, we just, you know, discovered that. Um, that what's happening is, let's say I'm the patient, right? I got a dollar. I'm, I could be your patient. I have teeth, right? And I pay a dollar by the time it gets to you, right? We just did the math. Now you're getting 50 cents, right, in general. Um, if you say to me, hey, Mr. Patient, hey, consumer, hey, uh, hey Pat, instead of paying a dollar, why don't you pay 75 cents, pay that to me, right? And then instead of 50 cents, the doc's getting 75 cents instead of 50, and we just cut out the middleman and I pay you directly. I'm assuming I have a good relationship with you. That sounds like a great deal. Right. So, yeah, it's awesome. And there's plenty of people out there that just use their FSA or HSA because of triple tax advantage. And it's awesome. And the best deal Uncle Sam has going for those of you who don't know, ask your financial advisor. If your financial advisor does not know, find another one. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. Yes. Um, 
So, and, and that's kind of what I always say. And what I, I also meant about the geography part is like in network or out of network, I, there is a push in, even in the insurance world, in my observation, right? It, it, not everybody's the same. Everyone thinks we are like, and I still say we sometimes, you have to forgive me. Like, we're all the same. We all think the same. No, we're not. You know, and so there's some companies, there's some insurance, there's one school of thought that is kind of bringing down their cost of care and experiencing network deterioration. There is another school of thought that says, hey, you know what, there's going to be rich benefits and people are fighting over talent. Like, uh, like it's, it's it's vicious right now. You want an engineer? You know, you just think about the hygienist with the dental practices. It's the same thing with every other large corporation. And so what do people want? What Dental insurance. It's the second most requested benefit out, that's mm-hmm. out there, you know? Um, and so that's where I, I think that it kind of does depend on your company. Mm-hmm. It, so that part I totally agree with. The geography, let's say you're in uh, BFE, right? And there's a, uh, a pet food manufacturer. And there's a lot of, that's one of the bigger employers. And so they have some crappy benefits, but those people are still going to go in network and they're going to do the crappy benefits. But your market's still people with teeth. You know, and that's what I mean where I respectfully, um, as I hear that all the time, they're like, you just don't understand. You're in Chicago. Unless you're in New York City, Chicago, which is fair, is their managed care friendly, California, coastal Florida. Coastal Florida means by the water, right? So Tampa, South Florida, you know, Broward, Dade, uh, Palm Beach. Um, those are managed care friendly areas. Uh, and so that's where you can find DHMOs still. Oh yeah, they're out there. They're not growing, but now there's the EPOs. Now you have value based care, and (laughs) what's your value based care is like? um, What's the difference between this and an HMO? Can you explain it to me, please, sir? (laughs) So, Tom, perhaps you could tell me. When you deal with any type of contracted plan, never, never. Never have a hundred dollar service that you do for eighty dollars. Never do it for eighty dollars unless you don't have a patient ready to have it for a hundred dollars. And that goes for an exclusive provider organization, which is what a lot of the deltas are doing, which means even though you're Delta Premier, if you're not Delta PPO, you're not going to get the check, and you're not going to get the benefits. And even Which is some of illegal them go, in many states, by the way. But it even goes further, where as part of the PPO, you've got to be part of the EPO to get the benefits, right? Yeah, that are due from there. Yeah, okay, because of the network tiering. Sure. Okay, all right. So you've got all that involved in it. You've got some capitation plans here in Georgia mm-hmm. with some large employers who essentially went to the local dentist and said, our employees are coming to you. We'd rather pay you than deal with an outside company. But we have this management company that's going to handle all the paperwork and all whatever. Dear doctor, let me make this arrangement for you. And by the way, please sign here that says you're not going to tell anybody you're doing it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And respect the confidentiality agreements, people. Oh, oh yes. Oh, yes. Oh, oh, oh. and the other thing. Drives me nuts. (laughs) If you have two, three doctors in your office and only one of them is in network, please understand you cannot file a claim as if that doctor saw those patients if the doctors, if those other doctors' eyes and hands were in that patient's mouth. 
Right. You cannot do that. It's please pretty, don't do that. It's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty clear where it says rendering provider. You got it. Okay. Oh, but we want to be make sure the check comes to us. Um, don't even play that game. So be right. careful with that one. Just one thing. So because I know that some of my colleagues in the insurance industry do listen to the show. Oh, good. Thank you very much for listening, guys, I, ladies and gentlemen. I appreciate y'all. The whole idea of preventing assignment of benefits to non-participating providers, which is um, against state state statutes in many states. This is my personal opinion, and anyone is more than welcome to come on the show and argue it with me. John Ray will put on the music, and we'll have a little dance. I feel like it is a bully move, and it is meant to really just force the scare the dental insurance the general dentist in particular into becoming in network and it also more importantly invites insurance fraud and so none of us none of you out there in your corporate code of conduct does it state that we want to turn our customers into um criminals and mis you know misdemeanors and felonies in some states depending on the state statutes this is my personal opinion if Mm -hmm. you disagree with me you feel free to email me uh, you can find me. I don't hide. I'm at P.O. Rourke at practicequotient.com or at 470-592-1680. So if you disagree with that statement in any way, shape, or form, I'd love to hear dissenting opinion. Do you have a dissenting opinion, Tom? Uh, not necessarily dissenting opinion, but a parallel opinion as the employer is demanding that more of their patients and their employees go in-network because the in-network benefits are more cost-effective for the employer. And we can look at that from where I lived before I moved back to Atlanta in the little city of Memphis that dealt with a company that sends out lots of little boxes, you know, and transports them. Mm -hmm. You know, when they went from one administrator to another, that was the big thing they wanted, you know. and Here's the deal, though. Even if you are – FedEx, Coca-Cola, school board, right? You want to save costs. Turning your employees into criminals, all right? Because here's what happens. They get the check. They spend the check, right? Then they feel bad, so they don't go back to the dentist, all right? Now they don't access care. Now they just actually committed a crime. It's called fraud. And so, right, Mm. is it not? Mm? Yeah, yeah. And, And so then we are breaking the continuity of care. Right, which leads to higher healthcare costs, and we're turning them into criminals. And if they ever got charged for it, guess what? They're going to miss work. They miss work, then that's going to cost you money, Mister Employer. And then that could lead to turnover on a high level, just in case whatever you know their contract states with you. Right. So basically, you don't want your folks being accused of theft. That's that's one way to go with it. You know, the other is that's making insurance into something that it's not. And the insurance is there to help the patient offset the cost of care. So if the patient got the check, deposited the check, spent it on a boat motor, okay, how is that really boiling down to the insurance company's fault? That's really an issue between doctor and patient. And that's telling me that John Ray over here. Because that's what really, John Ray would do. Yeah. See, that, that's telling me that John Ray doesn't appreciate what the doctor did is coming at it from a different perspective, and there's no way to ever kind of make that right, which which brings about what I sent out to my clients yesterday, which was from the New England Journal of Medicine on the role of Medicare dental. So what do you think about Where's that? Where's that? 
I think it's coming. I think it's oh, not they, good. Oh, they've been pushing it hard for years. They've Sorry. been. It, it's, it's just, you know, it's a matter of time. Um, it and, may be, but it's, does that mean uh, that we should uh, just roll over and just take it? Because I don't see that as being good. Uh, no, I don't see all. it as being good either, you know. But, but I, I think what we're going to see is everybody having a base level of coverage and everything else is supplemental. It's a, I, it's I don't all see way that to tie, as a good tie the thing. dentist to the Medicare reimbursement rate. You a got it. Play. You got it. I see you. Uh, you got it. So, so read what it has to say. It's an editorial, and they're not real nice to the American Dental Association in its perspective of Medicare dental. But well, here's we'll see the, where it goes. So you know, this is a big fight. This is big money. This is not even billions. This is trillions. This is how big it is. Oh, yeah. All right. This is where all the money is. And so if, expect that there's going to be some some shit kicked here. All right. That's what's going to happen. And so it's going to come from respected places. But there's a lot of money on the other side and the and the, and the interests that want to make this happen. And so ADA, stand your ground. All oh, right. by all means. Stand your ground because here's the bottom line from somebody who's certified in Medicare and knows quite a bit about it. There's already dental. It's in Part C. Why are we trying to put it in Part A again? You know, show me the study. Show me. Show me the proof. Yep. Right? And That's I, uh, why they're asking for that qualification. Right. And so otherwise, and then as a taxpayer, why are you trying to expand Medicare when it's not even going to be there when I'm eligible for the thing and I've been paying into it my entire life. And do I trust Bernie or anyone else up there to do math? No, I don't. All right. So centralized planning, Russia tried it. See how that worked out for them. Oh, Venezuela. All right. There you go. So back the hell up off. That's how I feel about it. And I encourage everybody to get their head out of their rear end. Yeah. And, um, and you can read the, yeah, and you can read the piece on lamoli.com on the blog. It's uh, it's there on the bottom of the page, and for those of you that uh, didn't get the email with it in there, but it's there on lamoli.com. Take a read and, and holler out. Gotcha. So, Where do we want to go? Do we want to keep going? Let's keep going. Oh, yeah. It's uh, John Ray. How much time we got? Okay. All right. Yeah. I like this. I think we've probably hurt some feelings, and it's okay. That's what Kleenex is here for. Um Maybe we'll hurt some more. So let's go to this question, which is, it made me scratch my head a little bit, actually. How do dental offices determine if they are making or losing money in a plant? Like, I know that, but this is the part that kind of piqued my interest is, is it different for single doctor, multi-doctor, multi-location, specialty versus general operation? Uh, so let me qualify this by saying my what the gospel that I preach is always like, you know, you're taking a discount, it's outsourced marketing costs, right? You know, so you can't take 50 cents on the dollar because you're losing money, right? What are you going to exchange the promotional consideration of being on the website with dozens of other names? Woo-hoo! And the patient convenience of having the claim paid as a network, right? And because they think that. Now, that could be important. And in fact, it is important. But mm-hmm. how what is the financial value of that? That's my how my take. And so there you go. So I talk about plans and dropping them all the time. So you start there, and then let's get into the how, how does that different by discipline and by size for the uh, practice. It is harder for a single dental office, a single dentist in a single office, to manage 
the managed care. It is more of a challenge than it is in a larger organization with multiple doctors because the point of control with any type of contracted plan is limited to the appointment book. If a service is $100 in the open market and you're only able with a maximum allowable charge to collect 80 many offices feel that they lost $20 treating that patient and doing that procedure, when in fact that is not true. The write-off number is a useless number. It means nothing because it's not something you can collect. So the first thing I often have to do is remove the emotion from it. And as I did in spun heads when I did a webinar for the American Dental Association. Is this like exorcism? It's almost like an exorcism, yes. Okay? You have to look at, and let's pick on Cigna for a minute. Okay? I love you, Cigna. I love you, Cigna, too. Okay? We have lots of – we have (laughs) – yes, Kathy, I'm still here. So how much money did Cigna pay you directly? Now, how much money did the Cigna patients pay you directly for both covered and non-covered services. Add those two numbers together and determine what percentage of your total revenues, not production, revenues, money, came in from Cigna and Cigna patients. Pound dental business. Okay. Keep going. Now, if Cigna and Cigna patients gave you 25% of your revenue, Cigna can have no more than 25% of your appointment book. If Cigna's got 30% of your appointment book, 40% of your appointment book, you're losing money participating with Cigna. And you need to have a discussion with Cigna and say, these are my numbers. This is what I've got. Dear Cigna, what are you going to do for me? And in many instances, it's not going to deal with them paying you more for a procedure. It's going to deal with them providing you some type of safety net. Because what you've got to look at is you cannot fill your appointment book with a bunch of Cigna patients, 30 40%. Who's the biggest tyrant in the midst of all this? And I hate to use the word tyrant, but that one was introduced to me. Is the hygienist who's pre-appointing the patient before the doctor does the evaluation and is able to reinforce the open treatment plan. If you just got your teeth cleaned, but the, you need to have this crown redone or this partial redone, and the hygienist has already reappointed you in six months for you to come in and have your teeth cleaned, when the doctor comes in to reinforce the treatment plan, that patient's not listening. John's not listening. He's ready to get out. He's got his next appointment. He's got a tea time. He's got a tea time. That's right. So that's why appointment books are frequently choked up with patients that don't belong on there at this time. If it's 25% of your revenue, it's got to be 25% of your appointment book. You can't pack the appointment book. So dear office manager, insurance coordinator, because dear insurance coordinator, if you think your life is based on coding the difference between 110 and prophylaxis and when do they pay for the buildup and when do they not pay for the buildup and when do they ever pay for a cement base or a cavity liner, that's not an insurance coordinator. Yeah, you can just read the summary. The owl that's watching the procedure is going to tell you what to code. 
because you're going to bill for what you do, but you code for what you finish. The coding is simple. The insurance is simple. It's the insurance management that's hard. That's why an, in, why an insurance coordinator needs to have control over that appointment book and know what's going on and know the numbers. That's a real insurance coordinator, not somebody who's going to sit on the phone and pick fights with insurance companies. Patrick? That's I, I just learned a lot. I love the correlation between the 25% revenue and 25% of your appointment. That's, a, that's an easy number to figure out. You know, and It's the same with any airline. I got over 3 million miles with Delta. I got a gig. I got to speak in Chicago in January. It's cold up there. Oh, it's cold up there. It is nuts. I bought my ticket yesterday for it. You know what? Paid 200 and something bucks for it. But I guarantee you, two weeks out before that comes in, I'm going to get the email from Delta that I've been bumped to first class. And I'm going to get that for $200 airline ticket. The person sitting next to me, I'm going to bet you found out three days earlier that they got to go to Chicago. And they paid $2,800 for that same stinking ticket. Mm. And they got the same Bloody Mary I got. (laughs) It's all in the value of the chair. You see, because if Delta had given away that chair to another frequent flyer, they wouldn't have the room to put the $2,800 paid ticket in there. I like this analogy a lot. Sorry, it's reality. No, I do. This is very good. So I love it. If you want to hear the webinar that I did, it's out there on lamoli.com. Look through the blog and look at the one, look at the picture with the dentist with the, the devil on one side and the angel on the other. And there's the <laughs> link to the webinar. So if, um, how did, you have this other question, and this I got is, plenty of questions. This is what we're going to close with because the your real client doesn't even know you exist. What does that mean? When my dad passed away in 2006, his classmate, Dr. Don Mays, and by the way, Don Mays from Pen- Hershey, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. was a classmate of my dad's. Mm-hmm. And Don started a little bitty insurance company that later got bought by Blue Cross Blue Shield. And we know that insurance company today as United Concordia. Mm. Don wrote the obituary for my dad that showed up in the New York Times. And it says, Tom, your father made dentistry affordable for more people than he ever gave himself credit for. Because many people are driven by the insurance. And our focus and my focus is primarily, number one, help make dentistry affordable by providing education, information, and service. My phone rings about three, four times a week from Joe Dental Patient, who has a question, who has a problem, whose doctor's office is charging him for something, but the insurance company says he shouldn't pay, or the doctor used a laser and they charge me $80 out of pocket, and now the insurance company says I shouldn't have paid it and I want my money back and all that. So I help these these patients. Mm -hmm. I walk them through the process. I know most all the dental directors, so when there's a problem, I can say, you know what, let me reach out to somebody and have them contact you Mm -hmm. and go from there. Mm -hmm. My real client is the patient sitting in the chair because their insurance makes dentistry affordable for them. And if I can get the dentist and the dental profession and the dental office team members to understand that if it weren't for the insurance, a lot of these patients aren't coming in. 
then we've really solved the problem. Now take that with traditional insurance, take that with Medicare, take that with Medicaid. Mm -hmm. When my father passed away, about a third of the people in the audience were former Medicaid patients of his that he brought to dentistry. Because first things first, and Patrick, you mentioned it first, on through from here, you're a taxpayer first. Mm -hmm. Then you're a consultant. Dad was a taxpayer first. Let me get these people off the Medicaid roll. Let me teach them health care. You start by mopping the office. You start by cleaning the office. You start by being a chairside assistant. You start by taking care of the patient. And then from there, you move to administration. Then you move to whatever. And those people were so appreciative of what Dad did for them 40 years ago. My shtick, it's all about the patient in the chair. I like that. Patrick? I, I, I support your mission. Now, how do people find you if they want to? If they want to? www.lamoli.com. L-I-M-O-L-I.com. And I'm available Reach out to me. There's a contact me on the website. Please use the operative phrase practice quotient quotient, or Patrick O'Rourke or whatever, and I'll help you in any way I can. I have hourly rates for, you know, basic consultations for one-to-one webinars, one-to-one video. When you deal with Lamola, you deal with me, you deal with what's there. And I am proud to say, Having been there, I can teach you a lot of things of what other people have already messed up. So, Well, I, I really respect that, and I respect you, and I want to thank you for coming on the show. This has been a great show uh, to me. I've learned quite a bit. I hope all of you out there in listener land have, and it's Practice Quotient. I would rename the company, really. I thought it was clever. My wife thinks it's silly. That doesn't roll off the tongue, does it? And <laughs> Anyway, or just say Dental Business Radio. And also, those out there in listener land, if you know my business partner, um, ask him why he doesn't listen to the show. Do me a favor and ask Scott why he doesn't listen to the show, those of you that know us. Um, if you don't know him, don't don't ask him anything. He doesn't like strangers. Um, so I would like to uh, give a shout-out to our sponsor, Practice Quotient, Professional PPO Analysis and Negotiation. They are a national firm. They're in, they are an Amos Advantage partner. And their headquarter right here in Georgia, 470-592-1680, www.practicequotient.com. I would also like to thank um, the Honorable John Ray, first of his name, last of his kind, the unofficial mayor of North Fulton. He's actually tiptoeing around in other markets. Hey, in Tampa, you better ask my blessing there, but that's my, that's my turf. Anyways, thank you to all of you out there in listener land. If you like the show, please say... Uh, you like it on the thing and uh, you can find me Instagram, Pat underscore J underscore O'Rourke with that. You guys have a wonderful day until next time.